0: got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience welcome to ZorkCast, powered by travel zork helping you travel smarter gamble smarter and maximize your adventures from airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a las vegas casino you'll find all the knowledge you need to travel in style brought to you in nine minutes or less now please welcome the host of zork michael mason traeger hello this is michael And welcome back to Zorkast. I'm going to be continuing the conversation about loyalty sweet spots today with my TWA story. TWA was a major international carrier for a long time until they eventually went into bankruptcy. And most of the assets, if I'm correct, were purchased by American Airlines I believe that happened uh, around the year 2000. As a teenager, I became very interested in the TWA, Frequent Flyer Program. It was a mileage scheme where you flew flights and you earned a specific set of miles based on the distance that you were flying, which was the way most frequent flyer programs were uh, until recently, where added a component of spend or a component in addition to the mileage, which includes spend, but that's not really the topic of this conversation. So, in 1986, when I was 16 years old, I was intrigued by the TWA frequent flyer program, especially because they had a program or a promotion called Triple Miles. And if I believe uh, correctly, all of the airlines matched the triple miles program. So basically what that meant is if you flew on a route that earned you 1,000 miles, you got 3,000 miles. So it was a pretty lucrative promotion, especially if you would fly a lot. For some reason, I became fascinated by the fact that TWA was giving, uh, at that time, a minimum of 750 miles. So even if you had a ticket and you were only flying a route that was 100 miles, you got 750 miles. So obviously, if you look at triple miles, you were getting 750 miles times three, which was uh, 2,250 miles. So for a round trip, you were getting 4,500 miles. And I started thinking, what would be the least expensive route that TWA flies where you could earn 4,500 miles? And I was able to find one, and that was the uh, Phoenix to Las Vegas leg of a JFK Phoenix Las Vegas segment. And TWA would sell just Phoenix to Las Vegas round trip of this JFK Phoenix to Las Vegas flight for around $35. So and that was like $35 round trip. So it was very, very inexpensive. So in essence, if you were able to fly those flights for $35, you could earn quite a bit of uh, quite a few miles. And back then on TWA, you needed only 50,000 miles for a round trip Royal Ambassador first class ticket to Europe or the Middle East. They actually also had an award which was 90,000 miles. I think it was for two, I don't think it was two, it was either 90,000 miles for two first class Royal Ambassador or possibly it was for ambassador business class, but I think it was 90,000 miles for two first class, but the 50,000 was better because you not only got one Royal ambassador first class ticket, but you received an upgrade for your companion that could be used from the lowest fare class. Or I believe you could use your that upgrade yourself at a later date. And of course, when you use the upgrade, you would still get miles for the flight. So back then, everything was pretty manual, and we put stickers on our boarding passes when we boarded a TWA flight, and then basically you were credited those miles. If you forgot to put the stickers on your boarding pass, you could mail your boarding pass in, and you would get the mileage credit. Now, the funny thing about it was there was never really any mention if you had to fly the flights. I believe that it truly was probably in the terms and conditions that you had to fly the flight. But back then, TWA issued boarding passes, I think it was 30 days prior to a flight, that you could go to a city ticket office and pick up boarding passes. So I decided to just purchase a bunch of Phoenix to Las Vegas round-trip tickets. I got boarding passes for all of them. I put the stickers on all the boarding passes And I sent them into TWA to be credited to my account, and they all were credited to my account. And I was able to earn quite a few miles due to that uh, promotion. I think in later years, they became much more strict about the fact that you needed to actually fly the route. But you have to remember, this was 1986. And in 1986, there was no internet there were no message boards and there weren't a lot of people discussing this so i'm not really sure how many people were purchasing tickets and sending in boarding passes for miles in 1986 i'm sure it was a rather small group of people i'm not i'm not really sure about the terms and you know how how strict or how exact they were about terms about terms and conditions so it was a much different a much different world back then and i had the wonderful chance to be able to fly on twa and royal ambassador first class to quite a few different cities including cairo and from rome to new york i mean quite a few different routes but the whole the whole po- point of this conversation is i guess the point of the conversation were sweet spots and I guess the other point of the conversation is this is what really turned me on to, you know, miles and points and frequent flyer programs uh, back when I was a uh, teenager. The problem now in 2017 is that there are a lot fewer sweet spots for redemptions. And even when there are, they're still rather difficult to use. I hate being negative, but I mean, I also like to be a realist when I speak to people about miles and points. And in 2017, uh, it's just not that easy to redeem miles. So you have to set those expectations uh, properly. There really is no magic bullet other than paying a lot of attention to the programs and award availability and planning accordingly. Back in the TWA days, the programs were very simple. They released a specific number of seats many times those seats for award redemptions were released when the schedule came out so you could always count on claiming an award ticket if you if you were fast enough when they released the the new inventory today a lot of inventory for airlines is pretty dynamic so even though you might look for award availability from a, for a year from now on a specific route and not see that availability there the airlines are always tweaking that availability. And in many instances, closer to the date of flying, there will be new award availability. So you have to always keep looking. And as I've suggested in previous uh, episodes, sometimes it's great to consider using miles for a trip. But if it's not going to work out, then you just have to you know look at it look at the fact that you have those miles and that you'll try to use them on another trip and you've given it a shot but you want to go to a specific destination or your time is rather limited and you can't really tweak your your leisure time or your vacation travel plans based on award availability and as i've also mentioned you can use certain tools like expert flyer to set up alerts for award availability and that's that's not a bad idea but still that takes a significant amount of work because there are often many different routes that you'll be looking at and many different flights so that involves a lot of alerts and a lot of planning so that's the story with miles and points in 2017 it's it's a lot more work than it seems and you really have to keep that in mind and as long as you do It can be extremely valuable and you can have some amazing travel experiences, travel experiences that you might have not been able to afford without the miles and points. So until next time, uh, have a fabulous day and uh, take care. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at TravelZork and Facebook.com slash TravelZork. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, good luck.